This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank, the International Leaders Summit. I am Joel Sami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sardorch, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit. You can subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts and via YouTube on International Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable brings together leading voices from business, government, media, and the public policy arena. We thank you for tuning in to America's Roundtable. We're delighted to have a special guest on America's Roundtable. Virginia Walden Ford is one of America's leading advocates for parent empowerment. As a student, a mother, an advocate, and a grandmother, Virginia has spent her lifetime fighting to create new educational opportunities for children and families. Miss Virginia is the movie version of her life, a native of Little Rock, Arkansas, and the daughter of two public school educators. Virginia and her twin sister, Harrietta, were among the first 130 students chosen to desegregate Little Rock's high schools in the mid-1960s. When she was raising her three children in Washington, D.C., Virginia was shocked that so many children were forced to attend failing, crumbling schools simply because they lived in the wrong zip codes. In fact, she worried that her son, William, was failing and falling through the cracks of a system that wasn't focused on the best interests of children. She is a true pioneer and a great American patriot. In 1998, she took action, forming a grassroots organization, DC Parents for School Choice. Along with a group of dedicated parents, Virginia went door to door, neighborhood to neighborhood, recruiting and training thousands of parents to stand up for their children's futures. After winning several awards for her advocacy efforts, Virginia shared her advice and experiences in her book, Voices, Choices, and Second Chances. Her second book, School Choice, A Legacy to Keep, was published in 2019 and is available now on Amazon. Virginia is the subject of the 2019 film Miss Virginia, and you can view that on Netflix and other streaming services. So with this, we extend to Virginia a warm welcome. Welcome back to America's Roundtable. Welcome, Virginia. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Virginia, could you kindly share with us uh, what were the circumstances and your personal story that led you to become one of the greatest advocates for school choice in America? Well, it was really interesting because I am basically a shy person. I was one of those mothers who, you know, um, was in behind the scenes, not necessarily out front. I wasn't the president of anything. But my child, my youngest son, William, was getting in trouble. He was failing. The schools had just basically given up on him. And uh, one teacher actually told me, I don't know why you're going to all this trouble. He's never going to amount to anything. Who tells a mother that? And when I'd hear those things, it just made me angry, you know, and I knew that there was something that could be done to serve particularly low-income African-American and Hispanic children in D.C., I didn't know what, but I knew that something had to be done, that we couldn't just sit back and watch our children fail. So I started talking, and I found out pretty good at it, and talking to people and getting them to listen to me. And uh, and pretty soon, we were able to uh, align ourselves with people who could really do something, members of Congress and uh, other 
spoke, other supporters, and we um, organized thousands of parents. And and in 2003, we um, got it done. In 2004, the D.C. Opportunity Scholarship Program passed and was signed into law by President George W. Bush, and uh, it get, it was the beginning of our children having a chance. Virginia, uh, Obama administration's 2013 budget canceled out the D.C. Opportunity Scholarship Program, and uh, administration has chosen to stand with special interest groups and not with the children who needed them stand for them. What progress has been done since then? Well, you know, when that happened, when President Obama came in office, the D.C. scholarship program seemed to be one of the things that they were just ready to get rid of. They were going to do anything so to defund it was the way they were going to do it. And we protested. We took hundreds of parents to Capitol Hill, thousands of parents to all around the city um, to make sure that that program did not get canceled out. There were, at that time, 2,000 children plus in the program, and we wanted to make sure that they could continue. So we we protested. I mean, that was our, I think that was our, really our time. That was our time to say we're not going to sit back and allow to happen to our children what the world, rest of the world expected to happen to them, that they wouldn't be educated, that they would not finish schools, because so many of them were doing well in schools. Uh, since that time, you know, and we were successful, and we were successful because of Speaker John Boehner, who really fought for our program. I mean, he was he's our champion, he and others in Congress, and the president, of, of course, President George W. Bush behind the scenes, because he was out of office that in, but he was still there for us, and uh, we were successful. We've watched parents around the nation stand up for their children over the last 17, 18 years because they found out during that time that they had a voice. You know, we've been told too many times over the years that we couldn't do anything about our kids' schooling, that we had no voice to stay out of it. And what we learned during the 2003 fight was that we had a voice, and we took that fight to 2009, and then we started seeing it all over the country. And so currently there are a lot of parents that realize that if they use their voices, if they take a stand, if they stand shoulder-to-shoulder with people that care about them, all kinds of wonderful things can be accomplished. It was no easy task, as you shared through your numerous speeches and and events, and and it's portrayed in the movie as well. There were serious obstacles and obstruction um, placed in your way. You were actually fighting a battle by yourself and through the engaged uh, individuals of Washington, D.C., the parents, the family members, and what kept you going through this whole process, and what kept you focused a full victory at the end. Well, you know, it's interesting because the one thing that kept us going, that that made us strong, was our children. You know, we'd look at those little pictures of our kids and we'd say, this is who we're fighting for, and we won't give up. I mean, we'd watch our children failing. we watched kids getting in trouble. we watched watch uh, the gangs and the drug dealers 
try to court them. And we were just ferocious in our being warriors. You know, we were determined that we were not going to allow our children to fail when there was so much out there that was available to them. We just had to fight for it. And it was hard. You know, uh, some parents were often discouraged. The teachers unions were after us all the time. I got death threats. I got, you know, called all kind of names in the media. And, uh, you know, we were told that we had no right to speak out for our children, but we persevered. We were, yes, we do. These are our children. We're our children's first teachers. We know what they need. And we're going to be around until we are successful in finding a way for our kids to be in educational environments that meet those needs. But it was real hard. When I think back about it, sometimes, you know, it makes me a little anxious that we went through so much. But then the next second, I'm excited because we won. And most people didn't believe that a little ragtag group of parents who started off initially, maybe 50 parents, would grow into hundreds and then thousands of parents that were ready to stand and fight for their children. Virginia, we have been looking at the news stories as you have. We've been talking to a good number of friends. Some of them are are mutual friends of ours like uh, Dr. Ken Blackwell. And they have communicated the greatest challenges that we face in America's urban areas. And the cities, for example, represent what's happening in Chicago and Atlanta and other places is that there is a void of providing young men and women with an opportunity to obtain a good education. And so we go back to what you've been saying all along, that if we're able to intervene at the right time and providing young children with an opportunity to be educated in a place where they're inspired and are able to learn and to be able to achieve great things, we'll have great success. And what are your thoughts when you look at some of the the images that we see today? How can we prevail in addressing this, which is an issue being fought for uh, by good people like yourselves. Uh, But at the same time, it is opposed by some very powerful structures, including the teachers union. Well, you know, everybody told us we couldn't win because we couldn't fight the teachers unions and we couldn't fight other special interest groups. And there were members of Congress that were just going to you know, blow us away, you know. But, you know, when I look at what's going on today, I think the fight has to continue. I mean, that's what school choice is, finding environments where they work for children. And so we just have to stand strong. You know, somebody said to me not too long ago, are you going to retire anytime soon? And, I, and I'm, I'm safe. what I always said. I will leave fighting for children when children are in schools and educational environments where they are successful. So my plan is to be here for a long time because when I look out the country and I see what's going on, even with COVID-19 and everything else that's going on, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done. And uh, there are so many wonderful people out there that I talk to or connect with who are ready to fight whatever battles they are fighting them, even now. And they are ready to continue uh, fighting battles because, you know, some Joel, the bottom line is we got to do 
the best we can for our children. The best we can. We cannot rest until all of our children have the same opportunities that everybody has to go after the American dream, to get educated, to get a job, to buy a home, to buy a car. And those are the children that we're going to continue to fight for. I have no intentions of stopping. No intention. I remember uh, when we looked at 2011, uh, Ohio mother Kelly Williams Bowler was charged with a felony and went to jail for taking her kids out of her failing school to a better public school in an area where her father lived. The judge in the case was very clear in her decision that the verdict in this case needed to be an example for all parents who might be thinking of sending their children to schools outside the school districts. So she was sentenced to three years in jail and ordered to pay $30,000 to the school district. Virginia, can something like this happen today? still in certain states? It could. You know, I know Kelly well, and we've talked about it. Shit, I have often talked about other people having to go through what she went through because that was horrific. That was horrible. She was trying to be a good mother. But, you know, as things are now, it could happen. I mean, you know, there are over 30 school choice programs around the nation in the district, and those are serving kids well, but all of them are constantly in trouble of being stopped or closed or canceled or it's still such a controversy that yeah that it could still happen we would hope it won't and we would hope that there are enough people around the country that understand what is needed for children where that won't happen again but you know if we stop fighting if we, if we pretend like it's all gone away because it hasn't then we do run the risk of somebody like Kelly going back to jail for protecting her children. So, you know, it's all about continuing to fight and continuing to allow our voices to be heard and, uh, and our voices, parents, supporters, even the children. Sometimes during our legislative fight, we had our kids speak and they were powerful in what they wanted for their future. So, yes, it could happen again, and that's why we we have no time to stop. We have to keep going. One of the reasons that Miss um, Virginia was even made was because we decided that this was a way to get the voices of the parents heard. Those are the ones that sometimes don't get heard, and this movie has been amazing in getting the voice of the parent. It's about me, and that's wonderful, and I appreciated it, but it's about so many other parents, thousands and thousands of parents were going through the same kind of things that we were going through in D.C., and uh, it's their story, too. Virginia, in this age that we're living in right now, the COVID-19 period of time, uh, where the focus has been on reopening schools in a very safe and prudent manner. Uh, I know that President Trump and we had Kellyanne Conway here on America's Roundtable just very recently communicating about the importance of getting our young children back into the schools uh, so that they can learn. It's good for their well-being, great for education. 
education and, and it really does make a big difference for parents across America that want to be able to work and provide for their families. Now, this past week, uh, there's this debate going on in Congress and Senators uh, Lamar Alexander and Senator Tim Scott have put forth a legislation called the School Choice Now Act. And the legislation would provide a one-time emergency federal funding for state-approved scholarship granting organizations to provide families with direct educational assistance. This assistance would help them pay for things like private school tuition and homeschooling expenses. And this emergency funding, according to reports, would constitute 10% of emergency education aid for state education departments and local school districts. In addition, the report suggests that the bill would create permanent tax credits of up to $5 billion annually for scholarship granting organizations in states for similar purposes. And we know that Kellyanne uh, Conway and others have been very supportive of this. And uh, Kellyanne mentioned in a report, I quote, we're looking at 10% of the money pretty much going to non-public schools, education freedom scholarships, unquote. And that was Conway's recent statement to reporters. And as you look at this bill going through um, and being proposed and being debated, uh, what would you say to legislators in America uh, that are discussing and debating these issues and to our fellow Americans that are looking at this opportunity uh, to really support the school choice movement? Well, what I would say is bravo that they've come up with something that could really help take move the school choice movement forward because without this i applaud them without this they um a lot of private schools are going to fail and a lot of private schools that have kids in them that have scholarships are going to end up back in public schools that were not serving their needs so i've been following it i'm very excited about it and i hope that they can get through the debate and go on and pass it and you know give our parents some hope I'm a parent activist. My thoughts go to the parents, and there are so many parents that are sitting here now that are afraid, I mean, really afraid of what's going to happen to their children who are on scholarships, um, in scholarship programs, and and I'd like to be able to say to them, you know, we're looking out for you in this country. I mean, I really have been supporting it publicly, and I hope I hope that we can get through this, but there's, you know, so much controversy. And in 20 years of fighting for school choice, I have never understood why people couldn't just focus on the children. What is in the best interest of the kids? What can we do to make sure that the kids' lives are not turned upside down, especially right during this time? And that bill is one that could help those children who are probably sitting there wondering what's going to happen to them. So I think it's wonderful. I do. I agree with it entirely. In Virginia, according to the Center for Responsive Politics, from 1989 to 2012, the National Education Association and the American Federation of Teachers donated more than $79 million to congressional and presidential candidates. Just in 2016, the combined donations of the National Education Association and the American Federation of Teachers was 30 
$32 million, giving Democrats at least 94% of the funds that was contributed since 1990. Do you agree that this may be the reason that Democrats oppose the private school choice vouchers? I do, but, but there are some other reasons as well, and I and I and I get it. I don't agree with them, but I get it. You know, during the civil rights movement, when some schools closed down, the rumor was, and I've never been able to find out how true these rumors were, is that cities gave money to to Caucasian kids to start private schools, their parents and and organizers to start private schools, and black and Hispanic kids, minority kids were not offered those same kinds of things, and it was horrible. And and I get it. I understand it. But we didn't fight during the 60s to just get in the buildings. We fought to get a quality education. So why deny, because of your emotional feelings from the past, why deny children being able to go to schools that better serve them now? And uh, so, I mean, there are a, a lot of you know, emotional reasons, and I think people need to get over it, to be perfectly honest, and we need to start making sure that we are supportive and uh, excited about kids getting into schools that work for them, period. But it has become a political ball game, you know, back and forth. You know, I don't want vouchers because they were mean to us in 1965, and, and that, to me, takes the child out of the conversation. And as far as the teachers unions are concerned, for many, many years, they have made it very clear that they fight for their members, the members of what's important. And they force people to be members, and they don't care about the kids. They don't care about what's happening. And I've heard that and seen that. And during our legislative fight, our biggest opposition was teachers unions. And uh, that was not acceptable to us. You know, we believe that if there's any way to get a child the resources they need to go to a school to serve them better, that's what we should be doing. And and the saddest thing about it, in my opinion, is that teachers agree with us. Teachers want kids in educational environments that are in their best interest. And we had many teachers working behind the scenes on our behalf during our fights. And people that genuinely care about children don't want these kind of attitudes to continue. They want people to focus on the children. It's just like I used to tell the parent activists during our fights, focus on the children. Don't let anything deter you. Just focus on what we're fighting for, and we're fighting for our kids to have a better education, and period. And um, But it becomes political only when there are only adults in the room that have other, other reasons for being there. It's money and power and, you know, all those kind of things. If we continue to fight battles where our thought is only the end result being the child getting a better education, we'll continue to win, and which is what we did. I remember a union member telling me, I don't like debating you because you talk about kids and children, and you don't do like others do, name-calling and, you know, bad-mouthing people, because that wasn't my job. My job was to articulate 
the voices of the thoughts and the voices of the parents that I care about. Indeed. I mean, education, it's, the system is upside down. Education is designed for children. If there are, no, there are no children, there's no education. There's no purpose of education. And we have the teacher unions that are protecting poor and mediocre teachers who are failing children. So children are not able to achieve their potential, recognize their talents, and the lack of education provides them with limited job opportunities, which is destroying their future. And in the process, we are all failing as a society. Yeah. And when we see that these programs work for kids, I mean, I know children that have gone through the DC Opportunity Scholarship Program um, in schools that were wonderful, who are graduating from college, that first group, and are in great jobs and doing well. And uh, so we know these things work. You know, even the research that's been done on this particular program, there are many others that are very similar. The research is that the program does work. When kids are in an environment that their parents choose and they get a quality education, they do all kinds of amazing things in life. But, you know, but it, but it goes back to adult issues, you know, um, and that's where we get all messed up. That's where it stops being right, you know, and it becomes political and arguing and controversial and all of those things. I carry a picture of my kids, not my grandkids, all the time. And whenever I speak or whenever I'm talking to somebody, I pocket it and I know that my three, four grandkids and my three kids are in my pocket, and that's who I'm fighting for, no matter what anybody says. I will continue to fight for America's children, particularly America's low-income children, and but for all of America's children. Each child deserves a good education, and we are all paying taxes, and therefore the idea of the money following the child is just a common sense. We're paying taxes and receive money to educate our children in those institutions where we perceive to be good for them, and therefore there must be a school choice. Oh, it has to be. I mean, this country was going in a really bad place until school choice in the early years, and when we were really fighting those battles to make people understand what we were saying or or to look at children and, and what they were lacking in the systems that were being presented to them. That's why we started this. That's why we got into this. We want our kids to do well. And, and when I look at my kids and um, the opportunities they've had, and my grandkids and the opportunities they've had, it just confirms that I was right. <laughs> Virginia, from your experiences, what can American families, legislators, uh, those that are in our community as leaders do to support you and the school choice movement? What are some of the concrete steps that individual citizens can take to support this very important and noble endeavor for our country's future, for our children's future? You know, parents have got to be willing to speak out. They've got to be willing to, to say how they feel about education and what they need for their children. And there are a number of really good organizations around the nation that will stand with you 
you know, I mean, we didn't do this in a vacuum. It wasn't just me and the parents. It was me and the parents and uh, legislators. So they've got to be willing to talk to legislators. They've got to be willing to align themselves with wonderful organizations that support school choice. Most of it is they got to be willing to stand up. It's not hard, not easy to do, you know. I mean, even during my time, I had a family. I had um, other responsibilities, but nothing was more important than fighting for weight. Nothing. And I had to learn that. So it was tiring. It was hard. But it was the most satisfying thing I've ever seen, I've ever done in my entire life. When I look at him and the fine young man he is, and it could have gone totally the other way, I am proud and pleased that I was willing to use my voice. And so around this country, there are so many parents that that speak up, but we need more. We need all parents to speak up, talk to their legislators, send letters to their legislators, call them, talk to school choice organizations around the country, make sure that their words get out all over the communities. You know, I spent, I remember a period where I spent a month and we did a hundred not exaggerate, a hundred meetings in the community. And uh, and it was tiring, it was hard. And I say to my children, my adult children now, I know I missed a lot of ball games and stuff. And they said, but we understood what you were doing. You were fighting for our futures and for us. And that's what parents have got to be willing to do. They've got to be willing to stand strong and be tough and be firm. And I'm not talking about screaming and yelling and all of that. I'm talking about being firm with what they want for their kids. And uh, what I wanted was my child to have the possibility of being able to live a happy life in the future. That's what I wanted. And I understood that without an education, you can't do that. So that's what parents, yeah, parents have to stand strong. Virginia, this movie that is out on streaming services, including Netflix, we just want to encourage our listening audience to take this opportunity and view Miss Virginia, the story of your life and how you overcame obstacles and advanced this incredible initiative for America's children across the country. And as you've mentioned, especially for families that are low-income families, working poor families that are really struggling and need an opportunity for their children to be able to achieve their very best. So Virginia, we are going to be encouraging individuals throughout networks to come out and 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 also support your endeavor and what you're doing but also to view this movie Miss Virginia that is available on streaming services and Netflix Virginia thank you so much for joining us on America's roundtable and uh, we just want to relay that uh, Virginia Walden Ford is one of America's leading advocates for parent empowerment and as a student mother and an advocate and a grandmother Virginia has spent her lifetime fighting to create new educational opportunities for children and families and has dedicated her efforts in the school choice movement. Thank you, Virginia, and congratulations. Thank you both for having me. This has been such a pleasure. I could talk to you all day. And um, 
but thank you also for talking about the movie because I do think it's a really good way for parents to see what they can do. One voice can change a lot. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. is an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit. I'm Jolan Asami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sardorch, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts and via YouTube on International Leaders Summit.